I'm never gonna convince him to like this movie. No. Welcome to the New World Pictures Podcast bonus episode. We're going to do something a little different in this episode, something that we've been talking about for a little while where we do an episode called Convince Me. This is a Convince Me series where we're trying to talk to uh, each other about movies that we maybe didn't like that, you know, maybe one or two others try to convince the other to like or maybe give it another chance. Maybe it's time to give it another chance, right? Yeah. Huh? What? What are you talking about? <laughs> no, I'm no. already confused. We're obviously figuring this out as we go, but uh, let's get into it. My name is Ryan. With me, as always, is Mark. I'm so pissed off to be here. Oh, and Erica? Uh, are you convinced that my name is Erica? Or do I need <laughs> to try again? <laughs> so we are going to convince Mark, because Mark is not a fan of a particular movie. And we talk about this movie because it's directed by Jonathan Demme who started out his career with New World Pictures mm-hmm. and then uh, went on to become a director in his own right, started directing movies for New World Pictures, also started writing for New World Pictures. Do, you know, He started his whole career. And I think this movie is a great example of the sort of exploitation things you can learn from New World Pictures. Even it, uh, He even gave an, a cameo to Roger Corman, and we're talking about Silence of the Lambs. You spook easily, Starling? Not yet, sir. He's past the others. The last cell. I'll be watching. You'll do fine. The killer is on the loose. Keeps them alive for three days. Then he shoots them, skins them, and dumps them. A rookie FBI agent is on his trail. He's got real physical strength, cautious, precise, and he's never impulsive. He'll never stop. But in order to track him down, she'll have to match wits. I'll help you catch him, Clary. Believe me, you don't want Hannibal Lecter inside your head. With the darkest of all minds. Just do your job and never forget what he is. Oh, he's a monster. Pure psychopath. So rare to capture one alive. So close to the way you're going to catch him, do you realize that? Oh, Clarice, your problem is you need to get more fun out of life. You told me you don't spook easily. You call this easy, sir? Lecter's missing and armed. Man's a raving maniac. Who knows what he'll do? Thank you, Clary. Thank you. Now, Mark is not a fan mm-hmm. of Silence of the Lambs. I hate yeah. this movie. I right? hate this movie. Yeah. I hate this I movie. I don't understand why. So Neither do I. Because look, Mark hates a lot of things. That's yes. fine. <laughs> that's, that's okay. You know, that's that all right. With, that's part of the charm. <laughs> but upon yeah. learning that Mark did not like Silence of the Lambs, I have to say I was honestly surprised. I, I was, was too. Honestly I, surprised. I'm surprised because it seems like it blends horror and it blends thrillers for one i also know because mark and i grew up together as as brothers (laughs) what a hilarious way to describe mark and i grew up together as brothers in the same household we're related (laughs) i'm just trying look what if this is somebody's we were never close we We just grew up as brothers never close Never. We were, we were, we were actually, we're in fact distant cousins, but we were raised as brothers. <laughs> oh, or maybe this was a four brother situation uh-huh. where we were just yeah. a bunch of disparate random kids. They are brothers, but I would same... also like to clarify for listeners, not twins. Not twins. No, not thank twins. you. Thank that thank is you. also something Mark Very, hates. He does not like it when we are confused also, as twins. Yes. He yes. also hates it when... 
people think this guy that he grew up with, Ryan, who's his brother, is his twin. He doesn't like that. No. no. <laughs> so the reason why this series is also this or why we chose this the reason why we chose this particular huh? title <laughs> The reason we chose this particular title and why it was difficult to find one is that Mark and I often like a lot of the same music, a lot of the same movies. We grew up watching a lot of the same movies. So once Mark said he didn't like Silence of the Lambs, it was like, wait, what? Uh, because we grew mm-hmm. up watching Manhunter a lot. Yeah. And that is still a movie that you really love, correct, Mark? Or, I, I, I absolutely love. And I, I, I just want to lay the foundation here. Uh-oh. So oh. Silence of the Lambs, admittedly, I'm a little bit... Um, uh, Manhunter unfortunately influences my opinion of Silence of the Lambs. Right, this it tainted is what the I waters, so to right, speak. This is what I wonder. But okay. I, I think, and I know that that's an easy cop out because I'm sure there are a lot of people that have the same opinion. Um, and they're very different movies, both stylistically and, of course, it, it's a different story. Uh, Manhunter being a prequel, but um, when Silence of the Lambs came out. I didn't see it until a little bit late. So by the time I saw it, everyone and their mother was talking about how amazing this movie was. Even moms were getting in on this. Even moms were like quoting (laughs) and just like, you haven't seen it? Oh my God, what are you doing? Moms are all, how are the kids? How's your husband? Have you seen Silence of the Lambs? So good. So good. That was for my brief stint when I grew up on Long Island. Um, And so, yes, that did happen. I wasn't there for that. (laughs) That's the part where we didn't grow up. That's where distant brothers come into play. Uh, So by the time I saw it, I uh, saw it at the Claremont Theater, which anyone who grew up in San San Diego Diego, knows Mm -hmm. the Claremont Theater was one of those theaters that was really cheap because they got the movies after they'd already done the primary single run uh, theater that had one what showed one one movie. There were two were, by the time by that time they they split the theater into two. Oh, okay, okay. They, there's gar- guaranteed that there are several seats that are covered in black trash bags. Yes, uh, there's a guarantee. Oh, just a few that had, and they were, and no one knows why. I, right. they, and they were never replaced. Once they got the the trash bag treatment, those were just of oh, seats to avoid. That's yeah, it. That was their That's plastic it. coffin. Yep. And you got to skip. You got to skip that that ridiculous Dolby intro because there was no Dolby. It There's was no the old Dolby. school speakers. Yep. So, mm-hmm. so I saw it, and I remember going to the movie with friends, and all of them as we walked in, giving me giving me the raspberries that I hadn't seen it yet, and ah. I sat through the whole movie thinking, I don't know why these people like this movie so much. I I don't get it. I really don't. Um, Granted, Manhunter established a certain style, and I I would say this. The thing that threw me off, first and foremost, just to get this out of the way, is that I thought that Brian Cox's version of Hannibal Lecter was so much more subtle, cerebral, and ultimately his restraint made it so much scarier. He was so Mm -hmm. much scarier of a Hannibal Lecter because he was paced he was in control he was there was so you didn't really get how this person could be so evil because of the way his delivery was and that made him scarier because it didn't make sense anthony hopkins (laughs) version was to me like jim carrey playing hannibal lecter it was so over the top so ridiculous that i'm going you had this truly scary hannibal lecter and now you've got like the like fireman bob as hannibal lecter who's just fireman bill mark jesus (laughs) now he hates jim carrey too who's who's hamming it up hamming it up with every scene you're right what are you gonna tell me next mark you hated the mask break my heart this 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 scene where sir anthony hopkins gives clarice advice through his butthole was really disconcerting you're right i was like why is he talking out of his butthole right now thank you for referencing ace ventura another great jim carrey film (laughs) but i i again maybe when he gave clarice that water and she just had to go run into the fbi headquarters at Langley and just shit herself for 20 <laughs> solid minutes. Dumb and dumber. Hilarious. Dumb and dumber. Hilarious. <laughs> Another great one. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
this is funny because uh, I, <laughs> I would almost say that we're aging ourselves in this way because uh, you and I were very, 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 uh, we, we knew Manhunter. And I adore Manhunter, as you know. And I thought this might be your hangup. I love Manhunter. I love Brian Cox's performance. But to me, these are not the same franchise. These are two separate entities to me. And I, I fully respect that. And I do agree. A Manhunter was also That's a it. box We convinced off. him. Yes. <laughs> that was no, easy. No, hold on. That was Thanks easy. Everybody. Good night. <laughs> Manhunter was a box office flop. And, uh, you know, and Silence of the Lambs was, you know, it swept the Academy Awards. And it was, it is, you have to take it as its own movie. But unfortunately for me, seeing Manhunter before that, tainted the well of i mean sure admittedly anthony hopkins to me had a serious mountain to climb to top brian cox and what he was doing and i know brian cox was originally supposed to be hannibal lecter uh and walked away from like didn't want to play the role i think he didn't want to be typecast or something so okay. anthony hopkins came in but still <laughs> thank that... thank god he wasn't typecast as a really talented <laughs> subtle actor <laughs> thank god that didn't stick that's right <laughs> But still, good luck t- trying to t- get all that information out of your butthole, Brian Cox. I like to see you try to do it. It's not easy. It was it's not so as easy subtle. as it looks. You didn't even know as it was easy as it looks. Well, hold on, <laughs> Brian you Cox. Couldn't even tell it was his butthole on Manhunt. Brian Cox did a pretty good turn in Super Troopers, where he became actually quite funny. So, see, Super Troopers, he avoided that typecasting. <laughs> So he could be on so, Super Troopers okay, and then do McDonald's commercial voiceovers. Let, 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 let's step away. Let's step away really quick from Hannibal he Lecter. He kept his integrity intact. Let's step away from Hannibal Lecter because I feel like that is that's everyone's going to say, oh, that's because you're comparing Manhunter. Okay, right, that's fair. Right. So let's well, step not away only that, him. Mark. Not only that. Let's just say this too. You had a tendency. That as soon as, and I know this about you, as soon as anything starts getting a little bit of buzz, you start going, mm, oh, what's that? I don't know. And then you avoid it because you're like, mm-hmm. oh, everyone's so into this thing, huh? Yeah. And then you walked into one of the worst cinematic experiences. You yes. are setting yourself up. Like uh, uh, some of the movies I saw at the Claremont that I'm just thinking offhand. I saw Last Action Hero there. I saw People Under the Stairs there. Uh-huh. You didn't go uh-huh. see uh-huh. like, oh, let's go see the Academy Awards sweeping film at one of the lousiest theaters in all of San Diego. I saw a double feature of Problem Child and Problem Child 2. <laughs> That's right. Okay. That's right. We also saw Condor Man there. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. probably Hero at Large. But, but here's the thing. The I watched <laughs> I watched the movie last night and I yes. still hated it. <sighs> and I'm no longer in the Claremont Theater. And and here's here's what I remembered. I, I hadn't seen it in so long, so I had to watch it again, which I'm very disappointed that I spent $3.99 renting it on Amazon. I remember I remember it after watching it last night. Second scene in the movie. So in the beginning, you have Jodie Foster going through, and we're not going to do this like a full episode, but she's running through this obstacle course and she gets called into the FBI office where she's briefed on this case. And they bring up Hannibal Lecter and we are five minutes into this movie. And they say Hannibal Lecter and she immediately goes, Hannibal the cannibal. And I know that's supposed to elicit like, oh God, he's a cannibal. Tell me more. I laughed out loud. I was like, you can't okay. just drop that line okay. this quickly in the movie and expect me to take it seriously. That's that is fair. ridiculous. But <laughs> don't fair. Don't agree. What did you want her to say? Who in the hell's that? Then we would have been who, sitting in his office who's... for another thirty minutes. While he also, was like, what is she supposed to do? Like, oh, I'm un- I'm wholly unfamiliar with Hannibal Lecter. I'm just a FBI student. Uh, what would I know about a convicted serial murderer? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like I'm studying serial murderers. For the, my job in the, in the department of the guy who hunts down serial killers. Right. Point number two. I, I, I'm i not an FBI agent. I never went through the training. Wait, but what? I'm pretty sure, pretty sure FBI trainees are not sent out to solve murders on their own. Well, he, they she's are not. Trainees. But she's she not is, sent. She's no. sent to go talk to someone. She's working a case. She's not an agent. She's a she's not, But she's not sent. That she, doesn't she, happen. No, what she was sent out to do was to help. Because if the if her boss goes in and starts trying to ask him to look at the case file of, of uh, Bill, 
and take a look at all that stuff, he would outright reject him, mm-hmm. right? So he can't do that. So he sent a trainee. Now, granted, How you about could say that's kind FBI of a wild choice. Agent. There, right. You mean to tell me there's only one agent and that's the guy but he who went with it. He went with a guy. He went with somebody he felt would charm Hannibal Lecter and he wasn't incorrect in that assumption. Mm-hmm. Pre- pretty sure that that's not protocol. Just just throwing that out there. It wasn't. It that wasn't. Was I think great. they discussed that in the movie. The whole, I don't think that they don't discuss that at all. He makes up the whole fake offer I don't later think they, on, uh, jumping ahead. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't, just breaking yeah. protocol I don't think right. that Crawford totally leaves that off. That you know, and She even goes after him and says, like, you set me up to, to go talk to him. I think I disagree with you here because that this is actually one of the main reason one of a few main reasons that i really like this movie in that that sort of fbi police culture seems and by i'm not by no means an expert but seems like a predominantly male field sure Mm -hmm. so i think it was i think it was smart of them to to kind of play on that while doing this in having him send clarice there he's not only throwing her into the deep end to see if she you know is going to sink or swim to see if his hunch on her was right you know can she make it is she as scrappy and smart you know as she seems but also if i toss her out there and she doesn't make it yeah then i can go yeah see women aren't women aren't meant for this they can't stomach these kind of cases these kind of you know people and killers so i kind of like that element that she was not only you know going up against this stereotype that people like her people from, I think, where does he say she's from West Virginia, Virginia. you know, people who were, you know, low class or, you know, brought up poor Poor, trash, white trash, like that people like that can't maintain my Hannibal Lecter doing a West Virginia accent. Thank you very much. Thank you guys. Thank you. He did that all out of his butthole, which is pretty (laughs) tremendous. God, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but that, you know, she's already going up against those odds. And then yeah. the can, you know, can she pull this off because she is only a trainee? Can mm. she pull this off because she's a woman in predominantly male field? I just, I really, I really like that aspect of it. You know, watching, you know, that all kind of play out and throwing her in there. And No, and I, I, I don't disagree with you. I mean, I thought Jodie Foster did a great job of playing Jodie Foster. And I mean, she was perfect. She was the Jodie Foster for that I know and love from Contact in panic room and you know i was like cool i feel comfortable with this character because i've seen it before maybe it's the same person every movie <laughs> maybe clarice oh wait hold on also hold on in... you might maybe be turning Clar- me around on this movie now <laughs> maybe this is how i convince mark that clarice m starling is also in contact and in contact. also the same lady from panic room it's the same lady that's clarice hold on so these are sequels. <laughs> yes. Okay, hold on. Yes. The Silence of the Lambs universe just got a lot more interesting for me. <laughs> <laughs> this is how I will convince him. <laughs> yeah, it, the the prequel was Taxi Driver. Well, oh, I mean, that's... It go. took a long time to make the sequel to that one. <laughs> they, really, they had to let her grow up. They yeah. had to, you wow. know, it's like they didn't, like, rush train spotting back into production for the sequel. They had to wait till yeah. they got older, you know? Yes, because yeah. so many people rushed to that sequel. <laughs> they did. <laughs> Just like they rushed to, to, to uh, see Red Dragon and oh. Hannibal. I think Red Dragon and Hannibal did better than train spotting 2. At least in the United States, I don't know my numbers on that one, but I'd have to argue. I think they did. At least they get a lot more play than. We can only accept so many Scottish movies in the United States, and we might have been on. We might have been just full up at that time. Yeah. Um. Where do Where do we leave off? Well, I think the way that she's she's put into it and put on the case. I like how it changes from her, you know, to Mark's point, like just being a trainee and throwing the trainee in there and that's irresponsible and it's risky and it's against protocol. But I like throughout the course of the movie because usually, you know, this would be something that would take a couple movies to evolve or if this was a television show, it might take like an entire season to evolve. But like in the course of this movie, she gets better and better at it. But I love jumping ahead to, you know, towards the end of the movie when she's at Bill's house, when she's in that basement 
you know, you and I were talking about this. She's still not good at this. Right. I mean, she enters yeah, right. his basement alone. She yeah. has called. Yeah. She has not called for backup. Yeah. She's still going through the room and not looking behind her. You know, the things that she was getting busted for on training, she's still doing wrong. Yeah. You know, and he, you know, turns the lights off on her and she's in the dark now. So she's still not a great agent. And that's what I love about it is because typically in these situations, if it's not, you know, a series of movies or it's not a television series and you have a whole season, the character is suddenly really good by the end. And they're like blowing everyone away. And they're like, you know, but really she just luckily her hears him cock the gun and turns and luckily shoots him. But I love that element of it, that she's not this top she's agent not, at she's, the end of yeah, it. She still makes mistakes and does yeah. dumb things. She abandons the girl. She abandons the girl in the well to the point where she's like, get back here, you bitch. Like, don't leave me. <laughs> yeah. You know, why would yeah. you leave that person? And, because and she's, again, just not good at this. And I love that. There's a lot I of skill, that. I think, involved in in having those training scenes and showing the fact that she's not mm-hmm. got it together. Yeah. Having her deal with this guy who is so much smarter than her, who is such a, like, evil genius, like, and having her uh, having to, to try to, you know, figure out how to be this agent. Yeah, and you're right. In modern movies, they would make her, like, she's training, but then all of a sudden by the end, she's this refined, complete badass. And she's not in this movie. She, she, in fact, what I love about it. And I love that reveal when they, when she goes into Bill's house, because you think Crawford and all his guys have like found out who this guy Mm -hmm. is and they've got the wrong address and she's at the right one by accident. Yeah. And a lot of the things that she gets into in this movie are, she's just sort of tripping into. Mm -hmm. And I love that element of it. And by reveal, you mean where you're sitting there going, I know you're breaking into the wrong house and when we're going to get like resolve that thing because it's taking fucking forever for us to resolve that thing. You're right. I think no, it's that's great. a good reveal. I think it's um, great. I will agree. I totally agree with you, Erica, and what you said. And and I, I, I agree that hey. like the fact that she's not great at her job and that, that she's still learning is awesome. So I won't take that away. Um, I think the ending of the movie is the strongest part of the entire movie. Um, it's where like you really get to see the vulnerability of her character going up against, you know, the, like obviously this horrible person that she's been tracking down. I have a question though. Every time Buffalo Bill spoke, were you guys also going saying to yourself, just go, <clears throat> you'll get that thing yeah, up. Sure. Just, <clears throat> just do that. <clears throat> that's like you'll Ted Levine's voice. That's how he is in like every role, you know? He always has this kind of like thing where he's got, uh, uh, she puts a lotion in the basket. <laughs> like you just <clears throat> clear that. She's like, I will, I will. You can make my skin suit. Just clear your throat. <laughs> yeah, <clears> throat> please. You're good. <clears throat> also, no, but that's how that guy's voice is. Like I know, you know. but it, it, but it, it always makes me think that. Um, also, I also, think this is the first movie that I realized, or really the first time ever that I realized you could. You could tuck your whole your whole dick and nuts into your legs and I, just make I, it look vagina like. That was on. I did I not I, I did not know that. You did. yes you did. I didn't. You, yes I you didn't. did. I had no oh, idea. Come on. I didn't. Look, that scene got so. That much was not a along... joke. Me and my friends played on one another. That was <laughs> not a thing we did. <laughs> you were never like we were too busy <laughs> talking through our butts. <laughs> you were never like you were. Hey, Mom, that didn't you... come out yet. <laughs> you were not. You're, you were never like hey <laughs> hey hey Brian. Hey, Brian, look at my vagina. Well, hey, Brian. <laughs> right. Uh, Brian, uh, fire, uh, well, In Living Color was out, so I did, we didn't yeah, have that he, kind of stuff. Yeah, we didn't have Ace Ventura yet. But again, with that, even with that, and everyone talked about that scene so much, they also talked about the flicking of the semen scene, right? Yeah, the right. Sure. Which a very similar scene had already been done in From Beyond three years before. Four okay. years before. Sure. So you're okay. telling me that that they copied from Stuart Gordon for this one and they're like, well, but we got a bigger budget. So it'll get much more of a big a big, you know. Well, I don't know, but that, but had that hap- did that also happen in the book? Because this is based on a book and when did the book come out? You know, so I don't know if we, you know, also, you know, things happening at the same time in Hollywood uh, is is not that, you know, it's but not people, that uncommon. people talked about that scene so much, and by the time I'd seen Silence of the Lambs, I'd already seen From Beyond. So they're like, oh, there's a scene where this guy like throws a semen, and I'm like, yeah, that, I saw that in From Beyond. Like we've already seen this before. What's the big deal? 
Also, I used to throw my semen in it. Right. You were like, what's what's so weird about throwing semen around? I love this idea to you, too, that you're like, hey, you do that once, you can't do it ever again. We're done with that. We've done it, and from beyond, it's done. You can't do that again. Oh you, can do, oh, you think you can do it again? <laughs> okay. <clears throat> One last like, comment. You have, you've seen, you, so you saw Halloween, and then you've been upset at every slasher since. <laughs> and then, like, the other person behind you was like, what, you never saw Black Christmas? It was already done, asshole. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> well, it was no, already no, done no. by Halloween. What, what do saying. you mean? I'm not, what I'm saying is every, the, the way people told the story to me was like, you're never going to believe what I saw. This happened in a movie. I'm like, yeah, it's happened in other movies before. I'm sorry that your friends have never seen From Beyond. That's not the film's fault. Get better friends, Mark. Everybody and their mothers complaining or thinking this was a wild moment, which you have already experienced cinematically, is not the film's fault. It is, because I feel like they saw (laughs) It's not the film's fault. I feel like they saw From Beyond, and they said, we can do that better. And that's what happened. And Stuart Gordon was like, God damn it, I should have never let him on my set. Well, here's the thing. Now, maybe maybe they did take it from from beyond. I don't know. I don't know if it's in the book or not. I read Red Dragon. I read the the book that is Manhunter. That's as far as in into it as I was for for Thomas Harris. But I'd never read beyond that book. But that's because, like you, I was obsessed with Manhunter and I loved it. I just never compared it to this one. But I will say, we're talking about Jonathan Demme. And while this is a yeah. much glossier, high-budgeted affair, to me, this is still like a kind of exploitation film. Uh, we're exploiting, I, you yeah. know, I mean, and yeah, I and d- I also read in college, I read the two books that they based, that, that Thomas Harris based his books on, which was a guy who was the guy who started the profiling uh, department of the FBI. I believe his name is John Douglas. And he started, he was the one who started like, let's take a look at, you know, what serial killers go through, what they think. And this is largely like what Manhunter deals with far more than what this movie, uh, and I have to assume the book sort of deals with, because this is a trainee sort of dealing with a, uh, a seasoned serial killer. Whereas Manhunter is much more about a guy who, like John Douglas, basically had like a, a you know, a breakdown because he was dealing with so many different cases, mm-hmm. trying to enter into the mm-hmm. minds of all these serial killers. And it just like, you know, messes mm-hmm. you up. Um, but yeah. uh, to me, this is just a very exploitative film. And th- that's why I have another reason why I'm surprised. I feel like everyone and their mother's opinions, you're still sort of angry and upset that they all love this. But the movie, I'm still trying to see what, I mean, I knew going into this, I even told Erica, I, my guess was is that you didn't like this movie because you thought Anthony Hopkins was a little over the top. That was a guess, and I'm right about that guess. Yeah, yeah. But that's not the only reason. I mean, I, and I've explained other reasons. <clears throat> let, me, let me go through a couple more okay. for you. When they're flying to Chicago to break into the house where they think the killer mm-hmm. is, why are they in a plane that you fly tanks in? <laughs> that's ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> My when they go because the- it also contained a tank. <laughs> this is reminding me of when Mark and I told Mark to go see a Mission Impossible movie and he came back. He's like, I saw it. It was ridiculous. <laughs> like all the computer stuff is not real. And I'm like, it's called Mission Impossible. The whole point is it's ridiculous and impossible. And he was so mad about it. And you're like, this is this is so great, Mark. No one cares what kind of plane that they're on. This is an only a you thing. <laughs> Can I yes. continue? When they go to the airport in Tennessee and Hannibal Lecter is being is going to get carted onto a plane oh, and taken to the other prison, uh-huh. why is the plane facing the back of the hangar? They're gonna have to back it out. That's ridiculous. That's not how you park a plane. Talk about paying attention. You would have to have to do the wrong things. The, the, <laughs> the doors of the plane are behind the plane. You have to now turn it around. Oh, third, God. Third, when they're wheeling him in and he's got the stupid face mask uh-huh. on, are you mean to tell me that sedatives don't exist in this world? You couldn't have just shot this guy up with sedatives? You had to put a stupid How mask on How is he going to talk him? to the senator? He's on sedatives. I rest my case on that one. Let me, let, He's supposed to make a deal me, with the and, senator. And 
He's not. He's being carted even before when he's got the other nose, the one where he's looking at the pen right. and his nose is smashed against that. You couldn't have given him a sedative for that. And then you have the prison in the round scene where they obviously have no cameras. They just two cops is all you need in the prison. I, I in will the round. hand you that they. This they, is a Shakespearean prison that they put right. him in. What is Again, happening I feel there? like that was a trainee situation, and those two dudes were trainees, <laughs> and it didn't go well for them. <laughs> didn't go well. They had a lot of the cops downstairs in the lobby, but yes, having only two guys yeah. in the room, not having more guys in the hallway, not having, and I also watching it just recently again, and I, I love the reveal. But him like cutting the the face off of the other guy and just putting it on top of his face, and I understand they had that whole moment where they mentioned that like when he killed a guy, his heartbeat never went beyond like eighty four or whatever. Yeah, eighty five or eighty four. So, yeah, but yeah, like, whatever. You have to convince a, like trained uh, EMTs who are going to come in here, look at your body. They're going to see that that resting heart rate. Look at the face, but never they're never going to touch the face enough, even though you clearly have wounds on it, to notice that you just have someone's skin on top of your skin. Like, that part I was a little, like, recently, just that most recent rewatch, I was like, I will go, I'll go with it because I'm in the ride, but that, that stretches it a bit for me. That might have been from the novel. That might have been from I'm the novel. I'm just going to but... go ahead and be thankful that I haven't had to administer first aid to someone who was wearing someone's face. <laughs> right. Well, I to can't be, relate. To, to be I fair, you relate. haven't administered first aid to anyone because you're not an EMT. That's not what you do for a living. It's true. I mean, when you are an ambulance driver, you are going to have to deal with a lot of crazy situations. And... I felt like that one stretched just a little bit that he wasn't caught on that in that scenario. That's all I'm saying. Well, they put that paper over his face because it was so bloody. So I feel like that's why they wrapped. They did wrap his face up in like a towel, but like I, I'm just saying, it you have like to. A, a lot of like things a have to. Seat cover. A lot of things have to go perfect. <laughs> I was like, is that sanitary? <laughs> a lot of things have to go perfectly for that to be the case. And yes, only leaving two guys. In and in, in some weird way, it looked like Hannibal Lecter was getting he was getting revenge for what Rambo too. Well, but but besides the fact that he, it takes I I imagine it takes more than thirty seconds to cut a guy's face off. So, uh, and the cops he wasn't very quick, efficient. So he yeah. administered something very quick. He switched clothes with also, himself and the cop, cut his face off, put it on his face, threw his body into the elevator shaft with with some speed, with some speed. Yeah, a, l- a lot yeah. of speed and a lot of uh, uh, just good fortune. But at that point, I'm in. That That's a, you're, the, part, the point is, you're not in. So I think I'm willing. I think once I'm in on the movie, to a certain point, I'm willing to concede a few things and suspend my disbelief. You <laughs> have been sitting there going, "The airplanes parked incorrectly." <laughs> I cannot buy this movie's premise. <laughs> well. <laughs> And I'm gonna. I, I want. I want to just cover one more scene that I. I just. I have a hard time getting my head around <laughs> because if you if if you just wait. if you just if you just say it differently, it changes the whole okay. movie. Here's the, here's the dialogue. So why did you run away? Well, I ran over to the barn because I heard a bunch of crying and like I ran in there and you know I was living on a sheep farm, and uh, they were killing a bunch of sheep. Oh, what'd you do? Well, I was like, I felt terrible. Oh, you felt bad because I kept crying? Yeah. So what'd you do? Well, I grabbed a sheep and I ran. No shit, you did. Really? Yeah, I grabbed a sheep and I ran. How far'd you get? I don't know, a couple miles. (laughs) Then what? Then a cop found me and he brought me back. Oh man, what a tough night. That's like, this is like a scene where she talks about when she took the sheep and she ran and it's so dramatic. Mm -hmm. I'm like... You could have also turned that into a very, with the same dialogue, into like no a no kidding story. Like, well, that's a fun bit that you told me. And I just don't find the drama in that. I'm like, you picked up a sheep, you ran with it, you got caught by the cops, and then you got sent back, and then they were pissed that you took a sheep. You are on a sheep farm. What do you think they're going to do with the lambs or the sheep? But she or, was I guess upset. Lambs, she, lost her sheep, da- but... she lost her dad. She was, an, or she was a foster kid at that point. You know, uh, yeah. but you're living on a farm. Were you upset that she was upset that they were killing sheep and she was on a sheep farm? Just because she gets sent to a sheep farm doesn't mean she's instantly totally okay with everything that's going on in a sheep farm. 
I'm just saying it's not the most traumatic thing. She lost her dad. That's traumatic. Running with a lamb is but, not But the traumatic. metaphor of the story is that she was trying to save the lamb, right? She's trying to save one lamb. Like, she's trying to uh, save... Yeah, I get... Yeah. I mean, it's a metaphor. And you don't... You don't and you don't need Hannibal Lecter to explain that to you. Like, as a kid, you'd be like, yeah, I was trying to save the lamb, and now I try to save everybody. Like You're you like, got I read Catcher in the Rye. Saying. I get it. <laughs> yeah, I got it. I got it. Yeah, exactly. You're stealing Ryan, from Catcher in the Rye. You're me. stealing from Beyond. <laughs> you un- I've, you under- I've seen these things before. You can't repeat yourself. Finally. I mean... Finally, you guys. I saw Lethal like Weapon and every you. other cop buddy movie afterwards is bullshit. Even though they were other cop buddy movies in the 70s and 60s. I don't want to be a wet blanket here, but I've never really... I'm unfamiliar with what it sounds like when a sheep is crying. Is it similar to when you watch those videos of goats and they're like, ah! <laughs> it sounds like people. Is that what it sounds like when they I cry? I have no Does idea. Sound like- I have no idea. No idea. No idea. Apparently it's I not no dramatic clue. enough for Mark to think it's a worthwhile dramatic <laughs> moment. <laughs> well... It's uh, it's not a dramatic moment. I was just, I, I just thought you could redo that whole scene as like just two buddies talking about some funny story when this kid was growing up, and it would have totally worked. In your Jim Carrey movie, yes, it would have worked great. Yeah, <laughs> he could have told that story from his butthole, and then you'd been like, oh, that's a funny story. So let me go through the reasons why you don't like Silence of the Lambs. So Anthony Hopkins is over the top. Jodie uh-huh. Foster is. Too close to her character in contact. The planes are facing and, the wrong and, way in the hangar. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. yep. a, a prisoner, yep. Miggs, jerking off in a cell and like throwing cum on her is too similar to From Beyond. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. <laughs> and the story about the sheep was just would have been funnier if it had been done and delivered in a different way. <laughs> These are your reasons why you don't like this movie. <laughs> I mean, and the fact that you don't have to take like such a big jet to fly right. to Chicago. <laughs> they put tanks in that. This is so great. Um... <laughs> it's not great. You're doing a terrible job of convincing him. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm, I'm trying. I'm laughing you because you just convinced I, Ryan that he now hates Silence. No, of the no, 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 no. <laughs> This has gone backwards. Oh. This episode has taken a turn. Well, these were I'm laughing because I, I thought we would talk about certain things. I under, I knew that Hannibal Lecter and the performance of Hannibal Lecter was going to be a sticking point. Um, I didn't realize I would have to try to defend the size of the airplane that they take to Chicago, which is a sum total of 30 seconds of screen time, <laughs> but apparently enough to throw the whole train off the tracks for Mark. Um, who's watching mm-hmm. this in a dirty movie theater with maybe mm-hmm. two portable speakers on the sides of the theater mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. providing the mm-hmm. sound quality. The way movies <laughs> right. were meant the to be watched. The way they were meant to be watched. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I, I just didn't realize I was had to defend these tiny, tiny moments. I still feel like as a procedural, it's pretty good. I, I, I think the exploitation aspects, as I've said, I think are... Very good. I'm surprised that, Mark, your opinion hasn't changed having watched a lot of these New World movies now, some of which we've seen, some of which we hadn't, and that your opinion is still holding. Erica, help me out here. I think it's a lot of when you watch a movie and you are already, if you've seen too many trailers or commercials or people have talked about it, if you've had some outside influence... And then you go in and watch it in a situation that doesn't fully immerse immerse you into it. So, you know, bad sound, cheap movie theater. I think that really, really can play a part in how you feel about a movie. Even if you watch it again in somewhat perfect conditions, I think if that damage is already done, sometimes it's hard to undo it. Yeah. You know, if could I if I could somehow go back in time, if you hadn't seen Manhunt, because I hadn't seen I think I watched them, if I'm remembering correctly, I watched them in backwards order. Yes. So I saw Silence of the Lambs first and then later saw Manhunter. I think I Man showed Hunter. you Manhunter. I don't think you had seen it. And I'll be honest with you, this can be your convince me for me. Didn't care for Manhunter. So 
Oh. There you go. You can try that. We can flip the script on this Oof. one at some point. But I wonder if I didn't care for it because I had seen Silence of the Lambs first. Because when I think about Manhunter, I think, yeah, but Brian Cox didn't seem as crazy as Anthony Hopkins. Right, right. So I have the opposite in that, to me, I think you can't be too crazy if you're playing a serial killer or a killer. Like, nothing's off. To me, anything goes. So that's why I like Anthony Hopkins. He has that intense stare and he almost like doesn't blink and doesn't, you know, all that stuff I like mm-hmm. because for me. Yeah, because your butthole doesn't blink. <laughs> now, you don't know that. You don't know that. Give it a chance. Give it a chance. It's too busy breathing and talking. That's <laughs> true. There's a lot to say. There's a lot to say. I think when you watch a movie at the wrong time and you, you waited to see this movie and, you know, if it, it I don't I, I'm imagining if it's at Claremont Theater, maybe it maybe it's already won the Oscars yet. I don't know. Maybe it's a nominated this time. No, it hadn't. But I I I don't want you to put too much weight in, 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 into Claremont Theater because I saw a lot of great. No, 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 no. I, I, I I'm, being, I'm kidding me. around with Claremont Theater, and I don't know if anybody will even enjoy that because they don't really know that theater. But my point is, is just that when you miss the window to see a movie, which is why like. At this point, I try not to watch too much trailers or too much of anything if there's something that I think I might want to see. Because if you start seeing too much, if you start hearing too many opinions, it colors your experience. And I think what what's happened is that it's colored your experience to seeing it initially. And then even all these years later, you're still coming at it with like, okay, everybody still loves this movie and I just don't get it. And you are coming in with that it's still sort of colored for you in that way. And that it's you, you're like, what is everybody freaking out about? I've seen this movie in other movies. I've seen this in Manhunter, which I prefer in terms of this kind of story. So I think it's, it it would, it, it would just be something where I think if you were to try to give this one an actual chance, you would have to sort of disassociate yourself from everyone else's opinions of this movie and try to, watch this movie without thinking about everyone else's opinions about how good this is. I think that's what you would have to do. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think, I think too, that if you, if you were to reframe the movie, if someone's li- listening to this right now, hasn't seen Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> We've ruined it. <laughs> so if, if you haven't seen Silence of the Lambs, if you haven't seen Silence of the, if you've never seen it, and you were to think about it from a different perspective, which everyone was telling me this is the greatest movie, and remember it like swept the Oscars. Yeah, I remember, it, yes. If you were to reframe it instead to be like explaining it in the same way, if you were to say that the Big Dollhouse swept the right, Oscars, right, and everyone was not like this is the best movie ever, but was just like, holy shit, have you seen this movie? Like, like it's crazy. Coincidentally, and Big Dollhouse should have swept for... the Oscars. <laughs> should have. I don't. I think what maybe Godfather won that time. I don't think it should have won. It probably should have been Big Dollhouse. If you think Silence, if you look at Silence of the Lambs as an exploitation movie or a high budget exploitation sure. movie, that's a well done exploitation movie in the vein of the Big Dollhouse or Piranha, then it's a different movie. Yeah, but it was framed to me as. I think by the time I did see it, it had already been nominated with the Academy Awards hadn't happened. And I was like, I don't get what all the hype is about this. Incidentally, as a side note, same thing happened to me with Seven. Ah. Saw that late. Everyone loved it. And I was like, I don't like this movie. I don't know why everyone loves it. But, you know, there you go. That's that's for another episode for another day. <laughs> I would I would be so alone in trying to convince you guys to like seven because you don't yeah. like it. Erica hates it. So uh, I mean I would be yeah. like it would just be me screaming into the wind. <laughs> it yeah. would be just it just wouldn't make sense. It would be uh, an impossible yeah. task. Uh, you could convince me whether why you hate it. And I just don't know if you just we, come to our side. We should try to turn him. Yeah. We should try to turn hate him. Hate this yeah. movie. Convince <laughs> yeah. me to hate it. Um, I think uh, I think there are some good things in this movie. Um, there are some really good actors in this movie in Silence of the Lambs. Scott Glenn is a pretty decent Jack Crawford. Frankie Fasson plays Barney. He's, he's at the uh, hospital. 
Of course, we all remember him from Chud. <laughs> Anthony, that's all we remember him from. Anthony Heald, who plays mm-hmm. Dr. Chilton. I think he has such a, like, just a gross introduction as the head of the hospital. No, yeah, no, he's, he's, I, I, I did like watching he, him. He's he just such a, I totally liked him. He does, he's yes. not in it much, but you're like, this creep. Yeah. Like, you immediately hate him. And he starts in on a nice close-up of him, and he has that nice, like, have you been here before? Because this town can be pretty great if you have the right guide. And she's like, uh. Yeah. You know, every single guy hits on Jodie Foster in this movie. Yeah. Instantaneously. Even the dudes the uh, that are, like, uh, the, the bug guys. Yeah. Also, if a guy tries to tell you that, like, Maryland can be a pretty cool yeah, right. place. Yeah, right. I know. Run. Run as far as you can. Um, Cassie Lemons, who I just love. And uh, she's in Candyman, of course. But also, she is... She's in uh, she's in Hard Target, which I just love. Uh, her in Hard Target. She's the police officer who uh, has to have her... Who's having her birthday. And she has to... She has the candle in her cupcake. And she has to put it in her drawer while she hand, handles the lady's case. Uh, the main girl in it. Anyway, Cassie Lemons is great. But there's a lot of really good actors in there. And of course, Roger Corman Raj. as the FBI director. No. Just killing it. Just killing it in his one scene on the yeah. phone. Killing it. Putting Scott Glenn you know, in his place. I mean, that that was that was the highlight to the whole movie yeah. for me. It's just just seeing him, and I, not when I was in high school because you I didn't were less know who familiar. Was at the time. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. But now I was like, man, that's pretty sweet that he's in that one scene and does he a does great a job. job. Like he actually he can, can act. He can do it. Yeah, better than Lucio Fulci. <laughs> <laughs> well, we never really, you know, you often are seeing the the English dubs, which he is definitely not doing, and he is definitely not speaking English okay. at the time. So. Could we say better than Quentin Tarantino? Yes. Though a small sample size for Roger Corman. You know what I mean? Like, you know. <laughs> That's yeah, the problem. Yeah, Quentin yeah, gives yeah, himself fair. too many lines. <laughs> he gives himself too big a role. He needs yeah. to do a one and done. Yeah. He yes. Uh, anyway, um, great cast in Sansa Lambs. Um, I think some very assured direction. Um, I really liked what Jonathan Demi did in this. Um, great screenplay from Ted Talley, though maybe not Hannibal the Cannibal. Maybe that exception. I mean, everybody has the, has a, maybe a moment that goes down a little bit. But cinematography from Tak Fujimoto, who worked with uh, Harley Coakless. Uh, Har- yeah, Harley went Coakless. to school with Harley Coakless and and did did mm-hmm. yeah uh, yeah. So who's from San Diego? Also, Tak Fujimoto. Wow, yeah. I did not know that. That's awesome. Oh, we should have asked Harley about that. That was a mistake. Um. Yeah, well, Mark, have we convinced you at all to give Silence of the Lambs another chance? Hell no. No. <laughs> no. Holding steady? I will never watch that movie again. <laughs> well, there you have it. If Listeners, we... write in. Do a better job than I did. Convince Mark. Should he be on the side? Should he be? Should he be in favor? Should he give Silence of the Lambs another chance? Or... Is Mark right? <laughs> Should Ryan and I shove it up our butts and talk about it later? <laughs> Are we wrong and Mark's right? Write in. Tell us. Info at New World Podcast. Let us know what side you're on of Silence of the Lambs. That's right. I And just know that um, you're going to have to defend the wrong placement of the plane. You're going to have to defend them flying too oh, big of God, a plane. Oh, God, that drove me nuts. <laughs> These were Why things would you I did not, I was just front... not prepared to, to, to have to defend. Oh. I'm I just sorry, didn't... I'm just a person who just watches I... a movie and enjoys it. Silly me. <laughs> Silly me. <laughs> what a douche I am. Oh, God. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, well, yeah, that's it. You're going to have to do your best to convince Mark. Find Mark. Uh, to, uh, find him. He... He handles the Instagram, so go after him on the Instagram and tell him why it's a good come movie. At, come at me, bro. Come at me. <laughs> We're sorry we me. weren't able to convince him, those of you who are fans of this movie. And for those of you who aren't fans of this movie, tell us why we suck for even trying to uh, convince Mark to give it another shot. I still think if Mark could disassociate himself from every everyone and their mother's opinion, he might be able to give this movie a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, watching it again, I still thought it was just really, really well done. I, I, I really enjoyed it, and I'm able to take myself out of the Manhunter part of it. I will say, I probably like Manhunter more. There's more of it about that movie that really affects me and hits me in, in a certain place. But again, I don't compare the two because I just don't think that they're 
they're barely in the same universe as far as I'm concerned. That's, you know, I mean, except for like the titular character of Hannibal Lecter. You're right. They're totally different. He's not the titular character in Manhunter. He is, he is a side character in that. He is, he is maybe two scenes. He's still in it. He's in it for two scenes. He's still in it. He's a big part of Sons of Lambs. He's not a big part of Manhunter. In, 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 in totality, he's barely in it. He's barely in Manhunter. That's and that's what makes it great. And then when they did because Red he's Dragon, he's a titular they character him, that doesn't have to be in there so right. much. He is a he is a uh, a standout character in Manhunter, but he is not like a certainly not a titular character. He's not titular until Hannibal. That's the only, that's where he becomes titular. Look, 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 look. Hold on. Pinhead is only in about ten minutes of Hellraiser Five. Still a titular <laughs> character of the movie. It's not called Pinhead. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not why did you see hellraiser he's not five the hellraiser you didn't he's not see the one raising hell. you didn't see you didn't see hellraiser five to uh see uh you know uh people talk about the origin of the of the of the box well, you're there but that to is that's the thing about manhunter when manhunter came out people that went to go see that movie weren't going to see it because of hannibal lecter hannibal lecter became a thing with with sons of lambs and that's why they remade Manhunter and under the original title Red Dragon and brought Anthony Hopkins into it, beefed up his role a little bit because now people knew Hannibal Lecter. They didn't know Hannibal Lecter from Manhunter. That was not a thing at that point. Could you imagine though, if if Silence of the Lambs was part of the Hellraiser canon, it'd be way better. we have such sights to show you he's like "Mm, actually i have things to show you we have such sights sights to show you clarice (laughs) like that would be now so you just get rid of hannibal lecter totally and she just like yes it's just pinhead it's It's, just it's uh, jack crawford hands her the box like uh you know we're just your trainee we're gonna have you open up this box we're not sure what it does but you know (laughs) yes 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 that you know what? Quite frankly, there's that's a, there, that's a movie. There's I can get Hellraiser. My, that's a movie I can that worse than that than that shoddy <laughs> premise. So you know what? We're not far off when it comes to a Hellraiser movie. <laughs> that's a movie I can get my arms around. I'm in. As long as they use the right aircraft, you will be you will be in on that movie. If they mistake, they'll never have a budget for aircraft. <laughs> this is a Hellraiser movie. Okay, come on. Yeah, they might get that giant tank carrying plane for pretty cheap. All they had it for Sons of Lambs apparently was enough money to get inside the air hangar, but not enough money to actually move the aircraft around to their liking. All they were able to do is just get the permission to shoot inside of an uh, of an air, of an air hangar. Such a set piece, ridiculous. <laughs> oh man, uh, this this has been interesting. Uh, Again, talk to us at our socials and uh, we'll see you next time on the New World Podcast. Bye, everybody.